So here we are online together, and we have been doing a teaching series at our church, but we're going to interrupt that and wanted to give a message that really is relating to what's going on in our world and and more to the point, what, what's going on inside of us and, and what I see in, in many of us and in, in myself as well is this, this issue of fear. <clears throat> it's easy for us to, to, uh, to be in fear these days and um, pl- plenty of reasons for that. Some of the things I'm seeing is there's a, obviously a fear of being sick or a fear of passing on the coronavirus to someone else. The very real possibility of people dying because of this virus. All those are very real fears. Others have fears about our income and, and the loss of income and industry uh, tanking, and, and it's a very real concern. I, I got a phone call from a friend this week, and he said, pray for me. I've been praying for him. He said, hey, we have to let 85% of our employees go because it's devastated our industry. And that's a very real fear we're facing. There's others that have fears that are related to having enough for us and our families, whether that's enough food or enough medicine or enough toilet paper fears. Other of us have fears that are unrelated to the virus. There's, there were things going on in your life long before this thing hit, and they're very real as well. In the last couple of weeks, I've talked to a bunch of different pastors, and we've got fears too. Our fears have been continue services. Are we making the right call with that? How do we engage people? How do we shepherd our people? Are we going to be able to, to minister to people during this, this absence of gathering? And what does ministry look like? There's fears with that. And if we're being honest, some of us pastors are saying, look, we're hoping that people come back after this whole thing's over, where they actually come back and re-engage in person in the church. Those are real fears. And so with you through Psalm 55. It's a psalm that David prayed and, and, and sang to his God in a moment when he was facing fear and God inspired him to, to put these words down that we might learn from them and be strengthened in the midst of what is potential fear in our lives. And so starting in verse 1, this is what David prays. He says, listen to my fear, O God. To my prayer, I'm sorry. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. He was facing a circumstance where people were attacking him. My my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. The first thing I want to say about if we're going to live a life free in the fear that could grip our hearts is, first of all, just to be honest with God about our fear, to be honest with God about our fear. Now, that's what I love about the Psalms and David and how he, he can just express himself so honestly and transparently to God and to others about his fear. But let's be honest, admitting our fear is, is a very difficult thing to do. Instead, we can rationalize and say, well, it's worry or it's, it's, it's anxiety, it's, it's other things, it's not really fear. Or we can label it something else and say, I'm just being overly cautious or, or I'm being stubborn about it or type A or whatever we want to call it. It's easy to say it's, it's something other than fear when the underlying issue in our behavior, in the condition of our heart might very well be fear. David said these words. Listen to how he described his own condition. He said, I'm troubled, distraught, 
in anguish. I'm terrified. I'm fearful. And horror has come upon me. And while David's just saying, wow, the problems are real out there. and The enemies are real in my life. The real issue that's causing me the most concern is the condition in here. And how those things are affecting me in here. So he does what we should all do is he turns to God in prayer in this moment of fear and, and is honest about what's troubling him. Now I want to say something. If you come to God with your fear or any other emotion, it's not a lack of fear to come to God with those things. It's actually an act of fear, an act of faith to come to him. It's not it says, listen, God, I'm bringing this to you with the understanding that you can do something about where I am. It's an act of faith. So at times like these, here's the, here's the statement I want to make. It'll be on your screen. We can be afraid, but not live in fear. Be afraid, but not live in fear. Now that sounds like a contradiction, so let me unpack that a little bit by what I mean. Fear is a God-given emotion. And there's certain times in our life that fear is actually helpful. The first thing I can think of is in the scriptures that says that we should have a fear of God. A healthy fear of God means we have an awe and a respect that we're overwhelmed by who he is. The majesty and the love we just sang about and the glory and the power and all those things of God that are vast and beyond comprehension. And because God is so great, we live with a reverence and an honor towards him in the fear of God. That's a good Fear. That is, should be in the heart of every human being, a healthy fear of God. There's a, another fear. There's an instinctual fear that is God-given, and, and that kind of looks like this. Uh, when, when someone's in your driveway and they're backing up and you've got kids running around in the front yard, and even though you're middle-aged and got the dad bod, you look like you're in the NFL combine running a, you know, a cone drill or a 40-yard dash. And suddenly, boom, in an instant, you're between the car and your kids. Why? Because the adrenaline kicks in and the fear kicks in. And that instinct helps you keep your kids safe. That, that's a good, healthy thing. The other kind that God has given us is what we would call an appropriate concern. Dangerous situation. And you see it coming and you're not in a panic, but it helps you sharpen your focus and make decisions that are, that are self-preserving and helpful. For example, if you notice that your checking account is slowly dwindling month after month or your debt is piling up month after month, this appropriate concern to say there's a fear that if I continue going the way I'm going, bad things are going to happen. So I need to adjust and cut expenses or raise income and somehow stem the direction that I'm heading. Those are all Good fears. There's also a bad You live in fear. Living in fear, let me just define it for us. Living in fear is allowing your circumstances to control your inner condition and then ultimately your actions. Seen plenty of examples of this. One of our members works in customer service in the grocery store. Can you imagine what she's going through? And she's told me a few stories of what that looks like. And so just this week, we, they started limiting the, the amount of certain items that could be sold or bought in their store. And she had customers come up to her and say, say, I know you're limiting my purchases, but how do I know you're limiting other people's purchases? 
She's had people come and say, listen, maybe you guys are stockpiling the good stuff in the back and you're not giving us an opportunity to buy or have what you have. And she had multiple people say, I want to see the storeroom in the back to make sure you guys aren't doing that. Now, that's, that's crazy stuff. Can we just admit that's, that's pretty nuts? That is an emotional reaction and irrational, irrational behavior driven by fear. David was attempted to do the exact same thing. And we talk about the honesty of David. Look how he goes. He, he, he's describing his situation and being honest with God. And, and, and then he goes right into this next phrase. And he says, that, I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. And one of the ways we know that we're living in fear when the natural reaction is always to run from the situation. That's what David was dealing with in this psalm. God, if I can just get me away from this circumstance, God, if you can just remove that person or temptation from my life, if you can just eliminate this bad thing before me, then I will be okay. And if God doesn't remove it, then we take and run. That's what David's prayer was. Now, David's prayer is honest at this point, but it's not particularly helpful. You guys remember the movie Forrest Gump, and there's a character in there named Jenny. He called her Jenna. And Jenna's prayer is a little girl. She, she had an abusive father. And so she runs out into the field with Forrest. She said, Forrest, pray with me. She says, dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. And she repeats it over and over and over. And that's exactly the same prayer of David here. God, let me run from the situation. Can I tell you, running isn't the answer to our fears because fear is in here. It's inside of us. So we can't run from the emotional condition of fear in our hearts. It's interesting. David prays that God could remove and help him flee from his problems. And then in the next chunk of verses, we don't have time to unpack all of them. But he begins to go into the God. You're a righteous God and you can avenge my foes. And if you'll just eliminate them and, and bring about your justice and you can, uh, you can eliminate my problems by removing these people. And again, that's an honest prayer, but not necessarily a helpful prayer. And he's, he's just poured out his heart to God, but it doesn't help his inner condition. We're not to focus on whether we can run or whether we can eliminate. That's God's business. So in the, in the psalm here, he's saying, listen, instead of me just praying that God can keep me safe and sheltered or just praying that God can eliminate the problem in my life, the prayer that David is ultimately going to end up is, God, will you deal with me and the things that are going on inside of me? That's exactly where he ends up starting in verse 16. He says this. As for me, who's the one person you can control through this whole situation is yourself. As for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me. He opposed me, God, who is enthroned from of old who does not change, he will hear 
them and humble them because they have no fear of God. Now here in this little chunk is where we find the foundational truths that see David through his fears and that can see you and I through our fears. It is that God is still in control and that he can be trusted regardless of what is going on out there, regardless of when his justice will be enacted, regardless of what God's timeline is for seeing things made right, that we can find trust and hope in him. That well, one thing I know is that God is on his throne. That God has forever been on his throne. That God is today seated upon his throne. And that God will not be moved and forever will reign upon his throne. And that he hears our prayers from there. That he has drawn us near like David said. And we have now come close to him. And that not only does he hear, he runs and answers those who call to them. He cares for our situation. He's working on our behalf. Even when we don't see him at work, he's working. David said, he rescued me and he will rescue me. And he has rescued us and he can and will rescue us. It's a declaration of knowing that I know the end of the story and our God wins. Our God wins. And because we know him and we are with him, we are on his side, that means you and I ultimately win. Now those foundational truths can see us through any situation of fear. And because all that is true, David is saying, he's saying, listen, I'm not going to focus on what I can't control, my circumstances. I'm going to focus on what I can control, which is my response to my circumstances. And he's able to do so because he has a trust in God, knowing if I'm not worried about these things out here, then there is someone who is concerned about those things, and his name is the Lord God, and he is all things, and I can entrust them to him as an act of faith because I know who he is, and I know how he works. I hope you realize something. When you, when you and I face fear, every single thing that we face and are fearful of has been screened by God. He has not allowed anything through into our life that he hasn't first approved and said, yes, it can come to you. So everything that we fear has been screened by God, and then one day it will have to face God and be judged according to his righteousness. We can take comfort in that he has screened it and that he'll one day on our behalf. So for you and I, living free from fear means you and I focus on what we can control and we trust God for the things we can't control. This is so huge that we get this. We focus on what we can control and we act upon those things, but we entrust God with the things we cannot control. Now that's easier said than done. Right? And our emotions get in the way. Our emotions on an up and down roller coaster experience. And if you read this psalm again, you'll notice David went on the exact same ride. He, he's, he jumps from fear to trust, he, he, from, from peace to vengeance and running, and then ultimately to find his refuge in God. And then back and forth and has to go through all that all over again. Isn't that how fear works? 
It presses in time and time again. It's not a one-time encounter. It keeps pressing. It keeps trying to steal our peace. It keeps trying to rob us of our faith. And it comes in waves like that. But when there's a faith in God undergirding and replacing fear, it's for long. And here's what I mean. The best analogy I can think of is if you go fishing. And depending on what you fish, you might put a bobber on the line. And so when you cast that line, the weight of the bait and the hook and the, and the sinkers will, will draw the bobber down below water. But because of the buoyancy of that little tool, it, it pops it back up and brings it back to the surface. Guys, that's exactly what a faith in God does. When fears overwhelm us and pull us below the water into a dark, murky place, that if we'll turn and trust in him, it'll pull us back up to the surface. Not that we're always on the mountaintop, but there is a bottom line that we don't stay under for long because our God lifts our spirit. And can I say, if you've been, if you've been in the deep waters for a long time, if you've been below the surface and your fears are, are, are functioning and changing your inner condition, condition and your outward behavior, then you're living in fear. Now there's a vertical reality of those foundational truths David just, just wrote about. There's this vertical reality that God is in control, that he can be trusted, that he loves us and he cares for his people, that he is sovereign in all that he does, and that he ultimately wins. And these foundational truths, that is a vertical reality, and they are always undeniably true. But there's also a horizontal reality. In today's time, the horizontal reality is that corona is real and causes sickness and causes pain and death and loss of income and is changing our lives. And some of that is very difficult to deal with. There is both a horizontal reality that is true and a vertical reality that is also true. So here's my question. Which one of those has got your heart's attention? Which one of those are you focused on in your thinking? Which of those has gripped your heart? Are you continually going back to the fears of what is out here? Are you centering your life and emotionally stable because God has caused your inner being to be strong and unshaken even though what's going on out here hasn't changed? David's challenge was to keep the vertical reality. Our challenge is to keep this vertical reality on the forefront of our thinking and not let our heart be gripped by the other things. And I love how David ends this psalm. The last two verses say this. He says, cast your cares and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. But you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and the deceitful will not live out half of their days. But as for me, I trust in you. I love this idea that, that we don't have to be shaken. That we don't have to be pulled apart and be in despair and fear like the rest of the world. There is an unshakable, unmoving God that we can center our lives upon and his vision is firm. And with him in place, we're not shaken either. And so here's what we need to do in the days to come. We don't know how long this thing is going to last. 
We don't know how long the fear is going to be nipping at our heels. We don't know when the next crisis will come and we might have fear. So here's what we do. Every time you find yourself focused on the horizontal realities and the that are causing you fear, you simply hand those things to God and say, God, I can trust you with that. And you name it specifically. I can trust you with my income. I can trust you with my health. I can trust you with the health of the person I love. God, these are the things I'm entrusting to you. And I hand it back over to you. That's your business. Now, it doesn't mean in our situation that we don't take precautions. It doesn't mean that we're not wise, but we don't want to be foolish in these times. We take every precaution that we can to be smart about the situation. But what it does mean when we hand those things, okay with God calling the shots. And he knows his business. And then secondly, we declare our trust in God. We say it with our lips. Sometimes the heart responds and what comes out of our mouth and back into our ears. When we begin to declare our trust in God, we begin to believe it in a more profound and deep way. And that's exactly what David does here. He says, listen, God, I trust in you. God, you alone are worthy of my trust. I know that you're sufficient for my needs today and ever more. I can trust you. Can I ask you something this morning? Do you trust God like that? Are you able to declare like David declared? But as for me, I trust in you. When you and I do, we'll find that our God is trustworthy and we'll find the fear that tries to grip our hearts will have no place in our hearts and we will be free from living in fear even though there's fearful situations. We will not be shaken. And that's my prayer for all of us today. We won't live in fear. Can I tell you, I got a messenger, a Facebook messenger from a young lady that's attended our church and Um, She was worried about having enough food. And she said, I'm worried about people doing violence on each other and and harming each other for the things they're going to need, the necessities. And I'm worried about, uh, is this the end times? Is everything coming? Is it going to be over soon? And she's sending me all these questions. And I felt compelled to say, but what is your greatest fear? She sent back that I won't be in heaven. I said, That fear is understandable. And if that isn't something you're sure about, that fear is real and can grip you. Can I tell you that is a God-given fear? And here's why. God gave us the fear of eternity for one reason, that you and I might go on a search for the solution and find the solution is grace. What do I mean by that? Grace is God treating us far better than we deserve, that he's willing to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, that he's unreasonably good to us. So here's the grace of God to you today. God is so gracious that he'll allow you to be forgiven from your sin. God is so gracious that he'll invite you into his family. God is so gracious and good that he'll take you as a son or a daughter and have a home for you in heaven for eternity one day and walk with you every single day of your life all by grace. And that grace was made possible through one thing. 
the sending of his son, Jesus, who God became a man and lived among us. And because he was going to go and suffer upon a cross in a, in a painful way, God, that he would bear the weight and the sin, the shame of our sin, he took all that upon himself that God might judge that sin, allow him to be die and then rose from the dead that he might give us life. That is all the grace of God that he's extended to you. He said, I'm, I did all this for you so you can have all the benefits of knowing me and being forgiven and being loved by me. If, if you'll turn to me, if you'll turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as the leader of your life, the one who's going to forgive you of your sin, and you place all your trust for your soul and for your eternity in Christ. That's the deal. That's the grace of God extended when we act. And so in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray and to be that for you, to, to forgive you of your sins, to be your God, to be your Savior. And to do what David said in that psalm that we just read, he said, as for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. He's willing to save you from your sin, save you from your situation, save you from this life and give you a hot life in heaven. So in a moment, we're going to pray. And you can ask God to do that. But for all this, 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 uh, this moment right now, let's just be honest with God about whatever we're fearful about Can we be honest if we've been living in fear and replace that with a declaration of trust that you can say, as for me, I trust in you. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that today you have not moved, you have not changed God, you're still as real today as you were two weeks ago. Your love still abounds. Your grace is still available. Your strength is still present. God, we need not be shaken if we trust in you. And God, I want to pray for those watching right now that said, I have a fear about what is to come. If this world was the end or if I was not to have what I needed, my life was forfeit. But I don't know what's coming. Then why wouldn't you today call upon the name of Jesus Christ, the God who loves you and died for you and is willing to bring you into his family by grace? And will you call on his name and say, God, I need your forgiveness today. You pray this. God, I need your forgiveness today. God, I ask for you to, to turn me from my sins as I turn to you. I want You'll be my savior. You'll be my, my leader and I'll follow you. And Lord, for us that are wrestling with fears that come at us every single day, God, help us to distinguish between what's in here and what's out there. Help us to realize if it's out there, we can trust you with it. And God, if it's in here, we can declare that you are trustworthy. And maybe you want to just pray to God out loud at home and say, as for me, say that to God, as for me, I trust in you. God, we thank you that you're trustworthy. You're the God we can count on. You are not moved. You're not shaken. And by your grace, we won't be either. In Jesus' name.